When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, John, let's get serious. We're rolling now. This All right, welcome to Stories of Briscoe and Bradshaw. I would be Bradshaw. That would be your Chickasaw native, your Chickasaw Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe. And when you talk about this gentleman, anybody who was in the ring with him will tell you he's one of the greatest workers in the history of our business. He was a Florida heavyweight champion. He was Puerto Rican heavyweight champion. Tag team partner with Dusty Rhodes. He hits you with a flying burrito. It's all over. It's Mr. Manny Fernandez. Manny, <laughs> welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, JBL. What an introduction. I almost forgot about the flying burrito. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I got hit with it. <laughs> and beat with it. Oh, I got hit with it. Yeah, I got hit with one of them clotheslines too. <laughs> I remember them days. I remember them days. I haven't forgot, JB. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, Matty, you, uh, you, you and I go back forever, it seems like, you know, when you were oh a my rookie, God. I think. What, what, when you came to Florida, was you just starting and uh, and went uh, into business? Yes, sir. You had left yes, Amarillo, uh, right? Yeah, I just started and I had a big, uh, I mean, my bloodline in Amarillo was unreal. And then I had that, uh, had a little run there and had a big meeting with Dorian Terry and Murdoch and Mulligan. And they sat me down and said, we're going to send you to Florida. And I was kind of yeah, like, get you an education, get out of Texas and get you an education. How'd you know? Yeah. Yeah. They told me anybody, anybody that wants to further their career, they always leave Texas. Why is that? I'll be Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The minute you got a car, you left Oklahoma. <laughs> Matt, Matty, Matty, uh, tell us a little bit about Matty Fernandez when, when Matty was, was in high school. Who, uh, where, where did you start wrestling? Was it with your grandparents? And, and uh, how, did, how, did, how did that spark ignite you to say, I want to be a professional wrestler? Tell us a little bit about your, your background growing up, your high school athletics, because you were, you were a football player at West Texas along with Fifty other guys in that outlaw school that John don't like me to call it an outlaw school, but uh, that outlaw school, West Texas State. You played football there. You were a high school wrestler. Tell us a little bit about your your amateur background, both in football and 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 how you ended up in West Texas. And how you ended up in professional wrestling. Well, basically, you know, I started playing sports when I was a kid. You know, I had nothing else to do in the hood. We used to go play stickball on the street. I started playing baseball. I became a pretty good, good baseball player. And uh, I was a catcher. I was an all-star catcher. And, you know, I used to knock people down behind the plate. If you try to steal on me, I'd, I'd bury you, my shoulder into you, and no one will knock you out. So some coach told me one time, hey, you ever try uh, playing football? I said, no. <laughs> so I went home and told my mom about that. And this man asked me if I could play football. My mom was one of the big athletes in her day in high school in the Slida in El Paso, Texas, not Oklahoma, Texas. 
she was a heck of an athlete. So she got me down and said, well, here's how you get in the stance. And my mom got in the stance and made me get in the stance. She knocked the crap out of me. I rolled back. <laughs> Grandma like, did? Wow. <laughs> I JBL was about 10 years old and started to cry. My mom goes, you ever do that? You'll never play any sport again. <laughs> I never cried again. <laughs> but that's I got introduced into football because she's a big football fan. And I started playing baseball and football. And when I got to high school, I started high school. Varsity is a freshman. I just played linebacker and guard. And I wanted to be quicker to get off my feet off. I was pretty quick, but I wanted to be quicker. So I, they introduced me to a sport called wrestling. And at first I was like, dude, I don't got to rub up against another man. What's wrong with you people? grabbing on each other <laughs> and I said no man I ain't gonna do that they finally convinced me to do it and it was just one of the greatest um, it just became natural you know my mom told me I was uh, born with a gift yeah you know use it and it was just natural I just learned how to wrestle right off the back and I combined football and wrestling and it made me such a better football player because wrestling you got to learn how to sprawl when they shoot on you so I would shoot on people and I would ankle pick them and stuff like that when I would play block into them. And I was playing offense deep. So I would use wrestling moves on people when I was playing football. But that got me started. I was two time state champion in California 191s and played football and I was all conference and all that. And uh, it just started that and it just kept going. and. Uh, what, was on. Granny? Was Granny a pro wrestling fan at that time too, Manny? No, nobody was uh, really. You know, none of us were. None of us uh, paid attention to that kind of stuff. My mom would always go watch me play. It was so because I was always involved in sports, football, wrestling, baseball. So most of the time, I was always going to watch Manny play. And my brothers were really good, and they followed. You know, they followed me. They were good in wrestling. My brother won state. My other brother was a hell of a pitcher. Got drafted to high, high school for the Montreal Expos uh, senior year. Uh, my brothers were really good athletes. My sisters were real good athletes. <laughs> we had sisters who played softball and would knock the heck out of a ball. Huh. You know, we were all pretty good athletes. My mom raised a bunch of good athletes. And so our family was involved in just watching everybody and going to everybody. We'd watch everybody competing in sports yeah there was eight of us so i was a lot of people competing in sports so, and Manny, how did you end up at west you know, texas uh, state i guess west texas a&m now is what's the name of it west texas state oh i know i hate that a&m stuff kind of reminds me of oklahoma a&m you know <laughs> oh my goodness what a horrible <laughs> thing to think about yeah i know huh? <laughs> but look it, it, i took a long route route you know i, I went to junior my mom got sick, so I, instead of going, I got scholarships to play at UCLA, Washington, Washington State offers from the Oregon and all them in the Pac-10 Pac back then. But, uh, you know, I went to junior college, Ralph, because my mom got ill. She had diabetic and she was sick. So I stayed at junior college. I was JC All-American. And uh, about that time, there people were protesting the war in Vietnam. In California, you know how many idiots live in California? Nobody needs to tell anybody about California. Uh, almost as bad as Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get them, JBL. So 
So, you know, I got tired of that and my my uncles and, and stuff served in World War II. And uh, I decided that I had enough of this people putting down the country and protesting. So like an idiot, I enlisted. So I spent time in the military and I trained in Coronado Island, UDT, ended up in uh, Vietnam. Long way around, long, long story short, when I got through my service, didn't really have anywhere to go but El Paso, Texas, where my mom was living. And somehow my mom got a hold of uh, Coach Bob DeLuca, who was uh, one of the coaches who recruited me out of Washington State. And he was with the program at West Texas State. And my mom got a hold of him, told him that I was out of the military and just had nothing to do. And he told me to talk to me and told me I could walk on or use my GI Bill. And I said, well, I don't know if I can play. I haven't played football in years, you know, with my time in the service and stuff and trying to get my head together. He said, oh, just try it out. It's not going to cost you anything. So I did. And I got to West Texas State. But a week later, I almost got kicked out of West Texas State because Everybody thought I was an incoming freshman. You know how they do an incoming freshman, JBL. <laughs> you played football. <laughs> you know they do. People try to dental floss my toes together, and I stuck a forty-five between their eyes. <laughs> it was a good thing. <laughs> I got in trouble, and I almost got kicked out before I got started. <laughs> but <laughs> so that went away. My coach told him that I was a uh, veteran. So nobody messed with me up that. That's where I had the long, <laughs> long, hard time at West Texas State. I mean, I, how, I was how all old right. were you then, Manny? Uh, how many years were you in the service in Nam? And how old were you there when you went to West Texas? Two and a half years. I had to serve two and a half years. I had to say two and a half years because when I got back from the uh, uh, EVAC, we did EVAC. We EVAC Laos and Saigon and Da Nang. Come back with me back. I got court marked for beating up a first lieutenant. I punched out a first lieutenant, so <laughs> I had court marked. <laughs> so I spent a couple of months in the brig and got honorably discharged. They let me go. <laughs> so, you know, I was 23, 24 years old, 24, 23, somewhere around there. And, uh, and it was that's actually State. a pretty good way to get out of the service if you don't want to be there. <laughs> Actually, with being with UDT and the SEAL teams, yeah, I kind of wanted to be there. I kind of thought I was going to stay there until that happened, but yeah, I decided, man, I better get out before I end up in Leavenworth. <laughs> and so then you ended up at West Texas. Then they ended up at West Texas State playing football. And at that time, playing West Texas State, is that when you started meeting the Funks and, and learning a little bit about professional wrestling? Yeah. Well, first I met a guy named Kelly Kaninsky. Gene Kaninsky's son, you know, I met him and he was like the second string guard or something. First got to West Texas State, I was kind of lost, you know, I hadn't played in a while. I was kind of lost trying to get my path, you know, get on the right path and stuff. I was getting frustrated. I didn't like being behind anybody. I always started. I never had problems starting or making the first, first team on anything. I always been a starter and everything I did and I didn't kind of like being Sucking hind titty, as those Oklahomans would say. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> they know but, uh, all about that. 
so I, I met Kelly Kaninsky and he was talking to me one time. He was the other guard. I was guard. He was guard. He was talking to me one time and we were jogging up this path, this path up to Buffalo Bowl, which went right by the double cross ranch. The, the track, the dirt track went right by there. And I didn't know who owned the double cross ranch until this guy came riding up on a horse and was yelling at us, oh, pick it up, you fat guys, pick it up, you fat guys. Because that was our reporting day for two days. And we had to see how far we can jog up to the stadium. And of course, that I didn't know it was Terry Funk. <laughs> so me and Kelly were jogging next. So your first Emmy, your first image of Terry Funk was up on on a horse, huh? Yeah. And I told Kelly Kaninsky, "Who's that idiot?" <laughs> you were correct. <laughs> I go, "Who's that idiot?" Oh man, don't say that. He's a great <laughs> pro wrestler. And I said, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> you know. And so. That was my introduction, you know, and then, then it went on. And stories got out during uh, when I, we were doing two days and stuff, and I don't know what it was about me, but I always got in a fight with somebody. <laughs> somebody pissed me off, and I got in a fight with them, and I hit punching people in the helmet like an idiot with uh, with bare hands. is not a smart thing to do, but that that got back to Terry Funk and Murdoch and them guys, and they said, hey. Kelly Kaninsky was more the instigator because he knew them and he would go and tell them, Hey, there's some crazy guy on our football team that fights everybody. <laughs> well, they got a notion to come check me out. <laughs> and that was uh, one of the biggest breaks in my life, probably. <laughs> they thought I was nuts. <laughs> but it was it was a great introduction to some of the greatest people in my life. So, no, so when you got when you got dismissed from school, Matty, and and uh, Kelly Kelly had made the contacts there for you, did you approach the Funks or did they come to you and say, "Hey, man, we you know, we'd like you to to join us"? And if so, who who did they put in the ring with you to train you a little bit? No, um, I went from uh, West Texas State to the taxi squad on the Kansas City Chief for a year. You know, I was out there, and then of course I got released. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I went back to, to Canyon, Texas. And at the, well, all this time while I was playing, those two years at, at West Texas State, we won conference championships. And I was, you know, um, pretty much, you know, all conference and everything. But Murdoch all the time would get in my ear. Every time, you know, we'd go after the home games, West Texas State home games, we'd all end up at Whiskey River. Everybody go to Whiskey River to celebrate our victory or our loss, whatever, but we'd end up there. And for whatever reason, these guys, Murdoch and Funk and them, Mulligan, would do something that caused me to get in a fight. <laughs> just to see. <laughs> just to see how tough I was. And I started, oh, these guys are doing it on purpose. I started realizing that. I go, they're doing this on purpose. <laughs> but it was, it was all right. I mean, I could handle myself, but how, how did you become Fred with, with Murdoch? Was that through Kelly or how was that? Yeah. That was I met them all through Kelly Kaninsky. Mm -hmm. And then they would come up to watch the, us practice. They'd do two days and stuff. And Murdoch would come and approach me and he says, oh, so you think you're tough? I said, well, I don't think so. I just walk away. I don't think so. I didn't have to prove nothing, you know. But he just kept doing that. And we got close. Then I used to 
drive with him. We'd go to Whiskey River. We'd go to, you know, our honky-tonk. And, and he took me out to the ranch. And they'd do stupid things to get me drunk as hell and laugh at me. <laughs> in fact, one time they put a calf in the chute and said, okay, we're going to open up the chute. When the calf comes out, you're going to jump on his head and rustle him to the ground, all right? You can rustle, right? I said, yeah. So they put a calf in the chute. And they faked like they opened it. I jumped off that damn railing and bit the dust. It face burst into the dust and never let the calf out. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff. That's where the ribbing came in. That's where they ribbed me all the time, you know? Like you got, you know, like you and, and Jack there. You go, Jack, you know what you did to me all the time? <laughs> that's where this started. But Jerry, that's terrible. Did you, you ribbed a young man like this? A fine oh, young God, Texas man poor. like this? He was a this college kid from Texas, crazy. John. I mean, uh, yeah, it was open open season on those guys. That's right. But that's the friendship started, you know, with Murdoch. I got close to Murdoch. And he, everybody always used to say he was KKK, but I never saw none of that. You know, I always say, hey, this is my Mexican kid. And I would laugh my butt off, you know, but I never saw none of that. But we came close, and then Mulligan and Terry, uh, you know, they all would come and watch the games. They'd all be there to watch me play and then take me out afterwards. This just grew as a friendship. And then, you know, I amateured. I did a couple of open tournaments while I was there. Shot out some open tournaments, freestyle, open, folk style. And they went to watch and it's on. They thought that I could be a wrestler. I said, nah, I'm going to play football for the rest of my life. And they kind of started laughing, which they were right. <laughs> I wasn't big enough in the 70s. I wasn't JBL size, that's for sure. If I would have had his size, I probably would have played 10 years. But yeah, that's on. When I got released, I came back to Canyon, Texas. Murdoch put me in the ring in there, and he put Dennis Stamp and Larry Lane in there and to shoot on me, and that didn't work out so good for either one of them. <laughs> Not as not like you and Jack beating me up, but I think I got the better of both of them. <laughs> but but you know, so Murdoch would get mad. He'd oh, get out of the ring. Come here. Let me show you this. <laughs> he would try to hook me and stuff, you know. Mur Murdoch showing a hook hold is kind of funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's how it all started. And that yeah. started. I just picked it up and it just. I think your 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 brother Jack put it uh, the best when my autobiographer was doing my book, no. and he asked Jack for a uh, hey Jack to give him a forward about me, and Jack gave him a one word answer, and Derek freaked out and he goes, "Can you give me a forward on Manny Fernandez?" He said, "Yeah, natural. <laughs> That's it. That's all he said." <laughs> I said, "Well." I guess he meant it, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it wasn't like that. You know, I learned it from them and they saw that I got picked it up pretty good because by then Barry Windham had come to West Texas state. He was supposed to play there, but he never made it on the team. So I started working out with Barry and training with Barry. And that's about the time that Mulligan and Murdoch and Terry said, we're going to send you somewhere where you're going to learn. So there's too many old timers here. You're not going to learn. We're going to send you somewhere where you're going to learn. And uh, they told me about Eddie Graham. He's strict and, you know, and all this stuff. And you better watch your butt and shut your mouth and listen. And you better respect everybody. 
I learned that from the get-go, though. The respect the business and respect the people above me and the people before me. I learned that, you know. So when I got to Florida, I didn't realize that I was going <laughs> to get educated by Jack and Jerry Briscoe and every <laughs> everything in the book. That's why I'm out of everything in the book. <laughs> and some things that they omitted from the book, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Because I tell people, you know, why don't you release your autobiography? I said, because if I told you the truth about my autobiography, everybody think it would be fiction. I said, it should be the learning manual for people that really take professional wrestling serious. If you really love the sport and really respect it, you got to learn the way of the old timer. The way the old timers treated you, the way they showed their love for you, the way they showed your respect for you, the way they educated you in the ring, and the way they educated you outside the ring. That's what I learned from Jack and Jerry Briscoe and them, almost everybody in Florida. Eddie Graham, Mike Graham, you know, we, I mean, it's an education that people would never would think it was friction. The things that I learned through you, through Dusty, Eddie, you know, all the people, Dom Rocco, one of the greatest heels I probably ever wrestled besides Terry and Dory. I mean, I was, it is amazing to me, like I tell all the people about uh, Jack, what Jack and Jerry did to me, uh, JBL, leaving me on the side of the road hundreds of times, peeing down my leg. <laughs> What? <laughs> what? All these, all these ribs, JBL, that were so great, you know, that I understood when I left and went to Florida and Dick Murdoch said, you just better shut up and listen. I better not ever hear you ever say anything back to me. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. But you know I was going to get ribbed on, pooped on, pissed on. <laughs> what? Left, Jerry. Left on, the high, left on the highway. Mr. Briscoe, did you do all that? I don't recall any of that. <laughs> yeah, of course you know. <laughs> there was times, JBL, that I respected them so much because they taught me so much. Being up and down the road with him and Jack were lessons that are un... I wish people today had those kind of lessons, but they never will. Manny, Manny, you, you, you brought up something. You're going down the road, Derry. That, that, I think that's that's where... A lot of these young guys miss out on the the schooling that we all we all had. We all went down the road with a veteran, and we kept our mouth shut and we listened. Nowadays they get in a, get in an airplane, they get their first class seat, and they put their headphones on, and you know, they they they, they don't listen. They, they don't have nobody to listen, nobody to teach them, and it's not their fault. And it's a, the way the business has progressed. But we we had a great system back in those days. You get a young guy like you, like a Manny Fernandez, come into Florida. You know, uh, being being part owner of the territory and being being one of the considered one of the top guys, you want to help that guy. You want to help him get involved as quickly as you can when you see some ability in him. So you you take those long road trips with him. You select it, put that guy in my car. So you know you're 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 stuck with somebody. But it's a teaching lesson. Even though we had a great time, we we consumed a lot of stuff that we couldn't shouldn't consume. We were still teaching the entire time we were on the road. Every minute of it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I still live it because the lessons I learned, especially the ones when you guys would lock the windows and smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I get so dead going high. Mr. Briscoe, what's wrong with you? I was young. 
<laughs> so, Mr. Briscoe, how, how did you end up choosing Manny? I mean, to, to go with you guys, what was it about Manny that made you want to get him in your car? What, when Manny came well, in? We just saw the ability, John. I mean, he was a, he was a number one. He was a, he was a pretty nice guy. Even at that time, he was a pretty nice guy. And we, we saw some future and we saw that, that, that Latino fire. And as many will say, the Latinos down here in Florida, once they get over, man, they they draw they draw from from the sticks like you wouldn't believe, man. And we can right. see Manny had that opportunity if he just had a little bit more experience. So we tried to uh, expedite that experience level with him and teach him uh, what we could. You know, while we were going down the road, we'd put him in, we'd book him in matches where he'd be pushed a little bit. Would they have to learn, you know, with some of the great, like got great guys like Reggie Parks, uh, uh, Jody, uh, Jody oh, Hamilton, some of those guys like that, that would push, oh, push Manny and, and make him learn. And man, he, he was, he, he came down here with that attitude that, that he wanted to learn. He was like a spud, man. And, he, and pretty soon we started seeing more and more Latinos showing up at these towns. Houses getting more full, houses getting more full. We look at our, What's the reason? Then we looked out. We saw we saw the Latinos out there, and we knew that was direct reflection on Manny. So we we saw that in in him. That's the reason we we wanted to latch on to guys like Manny and and teach them. So you know, the, being selfish in the long term, it just helped us out make more money. You know. Yeah, but you know, JBL, we had some of the six mans, me and Jerry and Jack, and I learned so much during the six man, Even when I was getting ribbed, getting slapped by my own partners on the side of the face every time. And they'd open up and slap me on the side of the face when the referee was checking us for stuff. They yeah. put me in the middle and they, they <laughs> whacked the crap out of me. <laughs> but watching them work, watching Jack, I think the, the name I gave Jack was Silk. Jack was so smooth, I would call him Silk, just to watch him work. And watch Jerry work in and out. I learned how to walk in and out with them. Work to be in the ring with people with that kind of quality, and and me being six months in the business was a learning experience that you couldn't you couldn't buy today. You couldn't buy today, you know. And and like Jerry said, uh, they gave me the opportunity. They put some of the best heels in there against me. Uh, you know, <laughs> Harley Race. I wrestled them so many times in Florida, and and and. I mean, Don Morocco. I mean, I had Joe LaDuke. I had, oh, God, I had some of Derry, Dory Funk Jr., uh, then the crazy Terry Funk, Dick Slater. <laughs> Dick Slater, who imitated Terry Funk. But I was just covered with talent. And, and as I could tell people, how could you not learn? They depended on me because they trusted me, and I depended on them because they showed me. They showed me the business. They educated me about the business, and I did what I was told to do: shut up and listen. And and Jerry, did that learning process involve leave, leaving him on the side of the road? Yes, it did. And you got to learn the business, John. You got to learn the downside of the business. Not only on the side of the road, but we'd leave him rest areas, rest stops, and places like that too. But we always knew there was a car behind him that would feel sorry for him and pick him up. So you didn't go back and get him. <laughs> couple times they did, JB. A couple times somebody else picked me up. So, so Manny, Manny, you mentioned by the side of the road. What was, was you involved in the, the leader of the pack T-shirt or contest when we had that shirt that we used to wrestle on the side of the road all the time for? No, no, I was before my okay. time. 
Well, that, so, that that was even before the shirt. We found a shirt later, but later on, we 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 because we did it so often, we decided to get a trophy. So we got a T-shirt, you know, leader of the pack, you know, king of the road type shirt. But uh, oh, tell yeah. uh, tell tell John about some of those just roadside that we pull off the side of the road and we just go at it for some reason. I, I still don't know why, oh, yeah. but we just go at it. Why? Because we were drinking. maybe that's the reason hey hey, jbl certain certain people were smoking and drinking and having fun and of course the rookie would have to pay the price for getting beat up to uh the national collegiate wrestling champions so So you didn't you didn't smoke but they would leave the windows up and so you basically had to smoke secondhand they locked the window they, yeah, they locked the windows. They couldn't roll them down. <laughs> <laughs> they bought that Lincoln Continental, Bill Blast Lincoln Continental. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. One of, the, one of the greatest stories, JBL, is when I first got to, you know, I don't know what Murdoch and Mulligan or Terry and them told <laughs> Jack and Jerry and Eddie Graham or this, but I'll never forget the first time I showed up and in Tampa with, uh, what's his name? Charlie Lay. Was it Charlie? Charlie Lay. Lay yeah. Oh, Charlie. <laughs> the old timer. And he, that's when he told me to, he to go inside there. And I met, uh, Gordon Soli for the first time. He smelled like he was a hundred proof that early in the morning. And I think that was the day. I'm, I'm not sure because it's been so long ago, but that's the day that you and Jack, Jack got in the ring and go, what's this? this is, you had gear on, get what gear I went out and got straight. I said, holy <laughs> These guys, I didn't know your wrestling background. I sure got stretched, but it was kind of fun, though, getting stretched. <laughs> you remember that, Jerry? Yeah, I remember those portatorium. We go back there, and John, yeah. some of our workouts would be like a, a college wrestling shoot session. Yeah. Yep. With many in there. Even Barry, we get Barry in there. Barry didn't know Barry jack nerd. crap at all, but we would nope. stretch a holy crap out of that young kid, man. <laughs> yeah. But that, that was, that was our workout. Way. That was our that was our condition. Oh. That was how we got rid of all that beer. We go in that sportatorium be 115 degrees in there, no air conditioning and everything. And we'd just go at it and keep on wrestling until we had to go to the town. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That was the fun part about being in Tampa learning that but so is there yeah, something there about a, good... is there something about a building named sportatorium that means you can't heat or air condition it yeah. <laughs> they yeah. can't the pay the damn bills man it was... <laughs> the one in texas didn't have either any either either one either i know when i was a booker in, in dallas what was that global wrestling federation that place was the hottest place to be in oh yeah yeah I mean, absolutely yep. miserable. That's how the sport tournament in Florida was too, right, Jerry? Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's why everybody lost weight there. We had a lot of fun there. I had some great times in Florida, but like I said, in my, I don't release my autobiography because I don't think people would believe it, especially today, especially today because uh, me and Terry, before Terry got, you know, years ago when I used to go visit him, we would talk about the old days and he would say, well, they don't understand the old ways. I said, no, they don't anymore. It's all about slapping the thigh and getting all your shit in before you even uh, give anybody else in. You got to do a, get all your shit in instead of, you know, working together like it used to be. 
give and take and telling a story. There's no more telling a story. I don't know how many times I was told, beat that in my head by Murdoch. You need to learn to tell a story. Tell a story, God dang it. <laughs> when I started out, but all that's gone by the wayside, but it's sad. You know, so, I don't man, watch wrestling anyway, never have. Manny, sad, I, heard have. A, I heard a rumor that uh, you were going down the road with uh, Mr. Briscoe and Mr. Briscoe and about 70 miles an hour, and you decided to pull the emergency brake to see what happened and damn near killed everybody. <laughs> is is there truth to that rumor <laughs> i think that's when we got in a wreck <laughs> we so just started that's, when, that's so when what happened the, the lincoln continental went head over heels bam 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 we had a big wreck <laughs> yeah, you, you, had, you had to keep alert when manny was in the car with you especially riding shotgun or even even back seat he could reach up over that seat and pull that that, that crank on the we we're going about seven. We we're coming back from Palm Beach or something like that, and uh, out, out on Highway sixty, where there's nothing out there, as you can testify, uh, Manny, nothing out there. Oh, yeah. nothing. So we're going along this little stretch where it actually turned into a four lane for about five miles. Manny just looks over, hang on, reaches down, pulls that damn emergency. We just start spinning. I never could figure out why you pulled that emergency brake on me. <laughs> <laughs> I must have said something to piss you off or something. <laughs> no, it must have been that wacky tobacco got to me. <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> you think? <laughs> hey, hey, I'm telling you, JBL, those used to be Cheech and Chong ones. They weren't little ones. They were Cheech and Chong. They were cigars. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about wrestling. So we, no, you're let's talk about along. Cheech and Chong. <laughs> How did they get in this conversation? <laughs> I know. It's just brought up. That's part of the stuff I tell you I won't release because people don't understand what a great time it was to be. What a great era it was to be a green guy. What a great area it was to be a rookie to, to enjoy this. To know that things were going to happen, but you enjoyed it because it was a lesson taught and a lesson learned. That's what I enjoyed about it. That's what I always enjoyed about pro wrestling. The lessons. And when you got down to Florida, you end up tagging with, I don't want to get this out of order sequentially, but uh, you end up tagging with Dusty, the American dream. Was that right away or was that shortly after you got there? Uh, I always ended up tagging with Dusty. And <laughs> it was, no, I tagged with uh, Jack and Jerry more before I tagged with Dusty. You know, I was in six man more with the Briscoes than with Dusty. And then when, well, Jerry will tell you, when I started getting real popular and doing good and Harley would come in and put me over like a million dollars and the more Latin people would come out, Latin lightning people, more Latin people, that's when Dusty decided uh, that I need to be with him. Kind of like he did in uh, North Carolina, which is <laughs> one of the reasons I left. <laughs> Man, Matty, what was your most on? memorable uh, uh, series down here in Florida? Matches? Yeah, they're your your God. favorite opponent opponent down there in Florida. Was was it the Laduca series? Because you and Joe had some knockdown. Uh, oh, we no, but I could, Jerry. You guys, you as a system booker, had a lot to do with that. All the guys that you guys fed me when I was the champ there. I mean, Harley and me had some great uh, because of Harley. 
I listened to Harley the whole time we went an hour because of Harley. They were great bats because of Harley. I just followed. And there, Jola Duke and Don Morocco. I mean, I couldn't Terry Funk and Dor- oh, Jerry. I couldn't tell you because all those guys are so great. For me to say one guy would be wrong because all of them, all of them taught me, all of them took care of me, and we had great matches because of them. All I did was listen. I yeah. did what I was told. I listened. And I could never point out one guy in Florida because we had so many. You guys, the right. talent in Florida at that time was unreal. Yeah. We had a great guy, even Scott Irwin. It, it was stack. It was stacked. You mentioned you mentioned a guy there that that's probably one of the greatest of all time. That 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 certainly ranked up there with his peers. But sometimes the fans just overlook him because they saw him later on in his career doing doing a little comic thing. But Don Morocco, when Don, oh, Don yeah. was young, man, there was nobody nobody in the business better than Don Morocco was there. No, no, the original rock, no. Especially when he ribbed me and put uh, Quaaludes down my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> when he would front face lock me and say, open your mouth, kid. I opened my mouth, boom, there went a Quaalude. <laughs> and pretty soon. <laughs> but he was fantastic. No, nobody. I don't think anybody. I could, I could say, Don Morocco, you could beat him every night. And he'd still have more heat than anybody. Yeah. Anybody. Yeah, he kept his heat. And he was great. And he was great. In fact, not day one, if it weren't for you and, and Jack in Orlando, Florida, we were talking, you know, all these people, JBL, that JBL don't understand because there's more his area where everybody talks about, oh, this guy's legit and this guy's legit and this guy's this and that. You don't realize that the old timers were the real legit guys. <laughs> you know, and that one time, Don Morocco, when they were saying, oh, Manny Fernandez is legit, Don Morocco meant, well, you better ask Nikolai Volkov. That post said, hell yeah. He beat the living crap out of me, but one for Jack and Jerry Briscoe probably would have killed me. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that, Jerry? <laughs> you remember that? So you what happened? In Orlando? So Nikolai, it was a six-man tag. Morocco, Volkov, and I think Scott Irwin against me and Steve Kern and Jimmy Garvin. And um, Steve Kern and Jimmy Garvin we're pissing Volkov off. They got him upset about something. And then Steve did something, tagged me. And when he tagged me, I tried to get to Volkov and he stiffed me and stupid me. I decided, hey, dude, you ain't going to do that to me. So I stiffed him back. And I found out that he was a world, uh, Russian world champion boxer. He boxed my pants off, man. He, st- <laughs> <laughs> he kept knocking me down and telling me stay down. And I wouldn't stay down. I kept getting up. Even though it kept knocking me down, I wasn't about to stay down. And finally, Jack and Jerry hit the ring because I was getting my ass open, but I wouldn't <laughs> stay down. <laughs> but I wouldn't stay down. I just, you know, I wouldn't. So uh, Jack and Jerry came in here and put in that situation. And then uh, <laughs> I got called into the office. And one of the greatest things, JBL, this is funny. He put my face so out of my face, looked like. Tato man. <laughs> <laughs> right? So Eddie Graham called us in to talk about that because it was so unprofessional. <laughs> and then Volkov, Nikolai Volkov was one of the nicest guys ever, ever. And we had a conversation. I remember leaving that meeting so happy because he had a little purple spot on his eye. And I said, Oh, I got one in. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I got a little purple spot on his eye, and I was all happy. And my face was swollen three times the size of my face. <laughs> yeah, that was one mistake I made. <laughs> so all these people cracked me up about legit, hit legit. I said, these old timers that you know, I said, going back there, Strangler Lewis, I, I love studying the history of pro wrestling. I got history books on stuff. Strangler Lewis and all those guys, Taz, all those guys were pretty legit. And they didn't have to prove it or have somebody boys mark out. I, I can't stand the boys marking out for each other. That's so stupid. You know, you don't got to prove legit. Just do your job. You know, you want to be legit? I could do, you know, I got stabbed eight times in San Antonio, Texas, uh, taking on a whole motorcycle gang. Does that make me legit? No. It made me stupid. But, Gary, you know how stupid I am. I ain't going to back down. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You know, I got shot in North Carolina, uh, Lexington, North Carolina, by another motorcycle guy. Did I back down? No, that made me legit tough. No, it made me stupid. I could have died. So that's what frustrates me. When people say, oh, well, this guy's legit. And I laugh at him. I said, the old timers are legit. You don't even got a clue. You don't have a clue of what these guys went through and how tough they were. And I was fortunate enough to be. Go ahead. I'm Maybe sorry, I'll... I didn't mean to cut you off. Maybe, what, what did you think about Eddie Graham? You mentioned a meeting with him. Did you like Eddie Graham working for him? I loved Eddie Graham. I learned so much from him. Oh, he got on my ass. I to tell you, Eddie Graham, because I used to get in fights in the bars in Tampa and stuff. And Eddie Graham, get on my ass. And it, but his deal was, if you get your ass kicked in the bar, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't be, you wouldn't be out there trying to be a tough guy. You better handle your business or Eddie Graham would get rid of you. But no, I loved Eddie. Eddie took good care of me. He jumped my ass a lot. And then, of course, I didn't know until, of course, my two favorite guys, Rivers, Jack and Jerry Briscoe, that Eddie Graham flew drunk until <laughs> I had to fly with him. Until <laughs> the Briscoes go, oh, yeah, you're going to fly home with Eddie Graham. I go, oh, cool. Then I got on the plane, and he smelled like 100 proof. And I'm like, oh, my God, what a rib. What a rib. But he could fly. And I don't care if he had 200 proof. He could be, he's a hell of a pilot. But it is kind of spooky. <laughs> but he was a hell of a pilot. <laughs> yeah. we, had, we used to have fun flying. You know, we'd all pitch in and, and get us a little plane, twin proper and fly and stuff. And a lot of times we'd sing and is, you had to know the lines. If you were a rookie, you had to know the lines of the song. Somebody shoot out the spotlight. Spotlights ain't nothing but jive. You had to know all that stuff or you got punished. <laughs> Something was going to happen to you. <laughs> remember those old days, Jerry? Oh, do I ever, man. They're finally remembered, yeah. too. And we survived yeah. them. Yeah. That's so, true. Mr. Briscoe, you don't feel bad about giving this promising young rookie onto a plane with a drunk pilot? Uh, he was sober when I recommended him going on to play, no. <laughs> Eddie, 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 Eddie could get drunk like that, couldn't he, Matty? He, yeah, he'd be God. up here talking to, talking to you, and he'd be as stone-cold sober as he could be. He'd disappear for five minutes, come back, and then, like Matty said, he, he'd, I think he'd chug a damn 100-proof bottle or something like that. He'd yep. be chip face, he couldn't walk. But he could fly. But he could fly. But he could fly. <laughs> yeah. that natural he instinct. Could <laughs> yeah, that, he could fly. But yeah, 
I mean, uh, well, what what dude. what a teacher Eddie was, right, Manny? When Eddie passed it oh out to finish it, man, you know, they're they're legendary finishes. Eddie Eddie lay out a, a twenty five minute match, and their the finish would be twenty minutes of it. And man, he would stand there and watch you. If you missed a certain drop kick, if he told you two drop kicks, you only did one drop kick. When you got back, no matter how how good the finish got over, he would cheer your ass out about missing that one drop kick. Yes, he would. He was serious about his fist. He his intelligence and his way of doing things was beyond. I mean, I don't think there's anybody around that could do the top eight exam today. Not even today. Some of the greatest minds, and J.D. Graham was one of them. And uh, I mean, everything that was done in Florida was done through him and Dusty and you. But he was unbelievable in his finishes and some of the stuff. I remember when he got mad at me because I didn't get. We were me and Harley went an hour Broadway, but he, I was mad because I didn't get a good enough comeback. He wanted me to do more. Right. You gotta false finish more. You gotta. You, you, he just jumped my butt about false finish, false finish, false finish, false finish. I said, okay, yes, yes sir, yes sir. I'll know. You know, he didn't like that. He didn't like that I only got a couple false finishes. When Harley was there for me, I just, I guess I did petered out or something. But yeah, Eddie was fantastic. But it's like I said, you know, if you went to Florida in the day, JBL, you were surrounded with minds of this business. Eddie, Dusty, Jerry, Jack. I mean, there was people that knew the business and how to get everybody over. Everybody. Everybody. Not just one guy. Everybody was over. You could take, I could do the opener, and next week I could do, be in the main event. Jack Briscoe would be in the opener, and next week would be in the main event. All these guys were so good, you could put them in pieces on a card and they would all draw and they would all get response from the people. That was what I loved about Florida. Yeah, that, that was a great thing about Tampa here with, with Eddie booking and then later with Bill. And uh, then uh, and then Eddie, Eddie passed that knowledge along to, to, to me to, when I was helping book there. But, you know, we had, we had cards that were so loaded that, like, like Manny was saying, the, the first match, might be the first match that week, and then then then, then you be that first match, and you work a little angle, you know, and, and a middle card, or so, and next week you're back on top of top of the whole damn card, and, and with a sellout house, also, right, Manny? Yep, yep. Everybody was in. in a, you can change the parts around, though, the talent around, and everybody could draw money. That's what I loved about it. It wasn't the responsibility of one, even though Dusty kind of took that on, but. I mean, even you put Steve Kern and Jimmy Garvin, Jack and Jerry and myself, and we had other people, heels that would fill that spot. Even the low guys got on the card, Reggie Park, Bubba Douglas, some guys, they could still draw. You know, there's something that I don't see anymore in cards. And one of the greatest things about Eddie Graham, if you were the first match, and this is what Murdoch told me, if you're the first match, don't you dare ever go out of the ring. You stay in the ring. With Eddie Graham, he didn't put up with that. That stuff was for the main event. He didn't go out to, you know, like guys do nowadays. First match are diving through the ropes onto the floor, boom, 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 you know, taking up everything they've done. But that wasn't Matt, done back in the day. Yeah. Matt, Matty, during your days down there, you started developing a friendship with somebody who would later on in your career mean very, very, very much to you. And, and not only in the ring, but outside the ring and become a mentor to you and, 
and one of your best friends. I'm talking about the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Here. You guys, tell us a little bit about that, how that friendship started down here in Florida and, and then how it progressed throughout your career. <laughs> uh, you know, to tell you the truth, it just, it just started with Dickie Murdoch. You know, Dickie told me about Dusty and this and that when they were the outlaws and stuff. And Dusty's always meant a lot to me because he was there for me too, like you and Jack and Eddie and Mike Graham. And, and Dusty trusted in me and he believed in me and, and I believed in him. And we just became good friends until he left Florida and, and I ended up going to San Antonio. Remember, I gave my notice when Dory took the book over and I went to San because uh, that's when I met Wahoo McDaniels and Cowboy Bill Watts in Miami. And Watts watched me wrestle Takachio. And he wanted to know if I was interested in coming to Louisiana. And then uh, Wahoo come up and he was booking for Joe Blanchard in San Antonio. And I said, oh, San Antonio, Texas. I got to go home. I'd like to go home. <laughs> you know, I got to go to Texas. <laughs> so, you know, I met Wahoo there and I told Dusty. And Dusty was leaving too. His Dory was coming in. So I said, well, I'm going to give my notice to Dory and go to San Antonio. And that's, I met Joe Blanchard. And I'll tell you what, uh, did you ever work for Joe Blanchard, Jerry? No, never did. He was a great man. I mean, when I got there and I got there, uh, Wahoo was a booker for a week. Then he left to Carolina. and a week. Later, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got there in the first week I was there. He left That's always great out. back in our days. You know, hey, come in. I'm booker. I'll take good care of you. You go into the territory and the booker leaves the next week and you think, holy cow, I just drove 2,000 miles to this guy and he's uh, gone. <laughs> he's gone. But I had to get a known face and Dick Slater took over the book. So I wasn't, I wasn't worried. You know, Dickie and me, we got close in Florida. We had a lot of fun together wrestling that. And uh, so that Dickie and, and Joe Blanchard was a grand, fantastic. Same thing happened like in Florida. I came in, they didn't have a real hot a Hispanic wrestler, Mexican wrestler. I came in and Dickie put me up there and, and showed the fire to the people and started packing house. And Joe Blanchard took good care of me. <laughs> he took good care of me. I wanted to stay in San Antonio. I was having a great run, but some great talent there, you know, Killer Tim Brooks. I had great matches. Came good, big run with him. And I was enjoying it. And then I tagged him. With uh, Chavo Guerrero, it was a Latin connection. And we had a good run there, especially in Houston. And then uh, we had a big show one day. We had a big show called the event at the stadium there, Trinity Stadium, football stadium. And I was out there and I was going to wrestle Killer Tim Brooks. And uh, big guy showed up, Black Jack Mulligan showed up. The referee come and goes, Mulligan wants to speak to you out back. And, you know, Mulligan was one of the guys involved in helping me get in the business too. And I was, he was my roommate. Oh, I was his roommate when I was training in Amarillo. So I love Mulligan and big blackjack. And he says, how you like it here? I said, oh, I love it here in San Antonio. I don't want to leave Texas. He said, well, Dusty said he needs you in Carolina. Give your notice today. <laughs> and I just looked at him and out of love and respect for what he did, I said, yes, sir. And I gave my notice. And I was out to Carolina with Dusty again. <laughs> so we got reunited and everything else history. I just, you know, whatever he wanted me to do, I did. Got over 
uh, Wally McDaniels got me over the and Shelby. Remember we used to uh, you guys did TV taping in Shelby, North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wahoo got me over to the first night I came to Carolina territory. Right. Wahoo was a heel, and I went in there, and he chopped me, and I didn't go down, and the crowd went crazy. So Wahoo got me over the first night in Carolina, and then we Dustin and me took off running until Magnum came. And, uh, Do you have any great stories about Wahoo? I mean, Wahoo is an iconic uh, character in our business, and not not very few, uh, not very many of us still remember Wahoo McDaniel's. There's a few of us that that were during that time, but Wahoo was one of the greatest guys inside and outside the ring you could ever want to meet. Oh God, yeah, we were roommates for a while in the Carolinas. Me and <laughs> the greatest stories I can tell you about me him and Ray Stevens were roommates in the Carolinas. Then when he he took the book over in AWA in Minnesota, we're roommates in Minnesota. And it was me, him, and Ray Stevens. And I love Ray Stevens. Ray Stevens is a heck of a guy, man. One tough sucker, though. Well, that's a legit. He was legit. But we were roommates and we lived in Minnesota. And Wahoo would keep the house so hot. That heater, when it was wintertime, he'd have it so hot you couldn't sleep. So one night I couldn't sleep, so I cracked all the windows. And by the morning, that house was freezing. And Wahoo got up, and he started screaming, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) When he he loud so loud, I'm going to kill you. Let this house. I got up, and I said, oh, my God, it's freezing in there. (laughs) He was so mad at me. Oh God, it was so much fun. <laughs> hey, hey Manny, I want to ask you a question about San Antonio because we, we had Scott Casey on here a few months ago or a year ago, whenever it was. He told us a pretty wild story, and we're not calling it untrue, but it sounds a little crazy. He told us a story about him and Wahoo. Was it Tom Jones, Mr. Briscoe? Tom Jones, yeah. Tom Jones and Mill Moscris <clears throat> were driving down the road working for Joe Blanchard, and they saw a UFO. And he told us the whole story about the UFO, but we haven't found anybody to collaborate this story. We reached out to Mil Mascaris, who's the only other one alive, but we hadn't heard back from him yet because apparently he doesn't get respond to a lot of stuff, you know, from texts and stuff like that. Uh, had, did never you ever hear this story from Scott Casey or Wahoo or anything? No, no. I'll tell you the story about Scott Casey and San Antonio. Sorry, there's no UFO, dude. <laughs> you know what we used to do? We used to have a, uh, the funniest part about San Antonio, this is good. We used to have a lady that would rent us Lincoln Continentals, almost like J- a Jack's Lincoln Continental, for 20 bucks a night, right? And that's what we'd drive from San Antonio to Odessa, Texas. And I would load up the car with 22 rifles, right? And we'd go and wrestle in Odessa and take the back roads back to San Antonio. And we had a big varmint light. And I'd sit up on the hood of the car with another shooter. We'd sit on the hood, and Scott Casey would have the varmint light. And if we saw a jackrabbit, he'd put the light on it, and we'd yell, and that jackrabbit would stop, and we'd just open fire, bah, 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 trying to kill the jackrabbit, but they run fast as hell. <laughs> so one time, I told Scott Casey, to say, Scott, why don't you walk out in front with a varmint light, and we'll drive real, <laughs> drive real slow, and I'll pick them off as you see them. You yell when you see him, so he'll stop for a second. <laughs> the stupid Scott went out there with the varmint light. 
And when he got far enough in front of the car, started shooting his feet. <laughs> but that's what we used to do when we come from Odessa. We drive around shooting at varmints. <laughs> that was the fun. But I, no, I've never heard of that's the entertainment in Texas, guys, right there. That's that's your <laughs> big Saturday night in Texas. Shooting well, he varmints. Tell you what happened, man? Man, he tells us this is crazy story, but he had it all. He, now I'm not calling saying Scott's wrong, but. He believes right, it, right. and he told us this crazy story about this UFO, but we can't find anybody else that has ever heard of this story. So you're he, he got mad at me too, Manny. I said, where were they going? He said, I don't know. Maybe the 7-Eleven. I don't know. And he, he wouldn't talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, Scott Casey, we used to make sure we used to rib the crap out of Scott Casey. Uh, you know where I learned how to rib? Your partner. The way they ripped me, Jack and Jerry, I learned how to pass that on when I got to San Antonio and started <laughs> using the same ribs on guys like Scott Casey because Scott was so gullible. <laughs> He's so gullible. He was always Mr. Muscle, Mr. Pretty Guy chasing pretty women. But he was <laughs> a little loose in the head. So <laughs> I would always pull ribs on him and stuff. <laughs> I never heard about the You know, the, the only way you could see a UFO is if you drove to Odessa, Texas, and then come back late at night when it's all dark in that desert. And if there was a UFO in there, yeah, you'd be easy to spot. But the only thing <laughs> I've ever seen was running jackrabbits, armadillos, and, and Scott Casey doing a two-step after I fired the 22 rifles at him. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's about it. I've never heard about that. And we used to drive that, that drive all uh, every Wednesday. He never seen a UFO. Well, well, so far that we can't find anybody to collaborate the stories. <laughs> We're still batting zero right now. Yes, yeah. we are. But uh, uh, mascaras will come through for us, I'm sure. No, <laughs> you know, Mil Mascaras is one of the greatest guys I met when I was in San Antonio. Him and his cousin Dos Caras, and we had some great matches together. I really love the guy. He really well, was. Jose Lothario of... down there as well. Yes, but I didn't get a chance to work with him, Javiel. I had a chance with Moscatus and those Patas, and those guys treated me really, really good. Especially Moscatus. He gave me a lot of respect. You know, he knew we had a match against each other. I said, oh, you're going over? He says, no, amigo, no, never. I said, yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. Don't argue with me. <laughs> he was a great guy, but. I'm pretty sure he won't say anything about a UFO story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I hope he confirmed it for Scott's sake because John and I'll never let him forget it there. But Scott oh, Scott God. swears by that story. And you know what? I've heard the story before, and, he, and the story has never changed, which in my mind gives the story a little bit of validity when the story don't change. And Scott, Scott tells the same story. And I know Scott's memory isn't that good. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, in Hey, JBL, there was a, a lot of UFOs in Florida. Every time we drive down the road, somebody was chucking a beer out the window or chucking a can full of beer at somebody else in a car coming to Humperdinck or some of those guys. They were chucking UFOs at one another. We used to do that. <laughs> now, now chuck, uh, chucking a full building out the window, remember that? That was the fighting offense there. Because you, yeah, you, you, you could hear the thud of the beer can hit. If we were, we were drinking it and we heard, we heard a, a can that sounded like it was half full or, you know, as you got, 
then throw it out the window. We could always know, and that those were that. That's when the fights would begin. Okay, you yeah, cheat. That was you couldn't cheat on the road with the beer. Yeah, you could. You couldn't throw out any beer. No, you would. That was that was a fighting offense in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> that, was about, that was about the only UFOs we saw flying yeah. beer cans. You know, I, I rode with Murdoch in Texas. Murdoch was so good he could hit oh. uh, he could hit a sign from the driver's side uh, in the car. He he would go yeah, down. He'd yeah. pick a small sign. He'd throw it over throw it over the hood of the pickup truck, and he could, he was really good at it. He had a lot of practice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had a lot. Of, yeah, yeah. Especially on the side where he lived in his ranch, where I used to keep up his ranch when he was in Japan. I was in co- in college. I used to keep his ranch up. Yeah, he got mad at me one time because I invited half the football team over when he was in Japan, and we drank all his liquor and beer. <laughs> and we get, when he got over to Japan, he found out he had no beer and liquor. He came to get West Texas State in my dormitory, and I could hear him yelling, Chongo, where the hell are you at? <laughs> Mur- Murdoch, Murdoch, uh called my partner jbl there a a valuable lesson according to him when he was a rookie there when they were traveling together i'm sure you've had some of these experiences too john go ahead and share that story i know about mick uh dickie murdoch you, you want to tell the story about yeah Nicky. so manny I'm, I'm tagging with murdoch now and murdoch and i are riding to the towns murdoch never let me drive he he always drove i had to hand him beers no he was driving he wouldn't let me talk to him you know and you had guy. to hand it a certain way too right yep, i had to hand it with the mouth toward him or he'd throw it out the window so I had to open the beer and yeah. hand it to him with the mouth toward him, or he would just throw it right out the window. So, you know, typical old guy, you know, the, I loved it because I was traveling with Dick Murdoch. So he picks me up one morning. I'm living with uh, Bobby Duncan Jr. in Garland, Texas. We're in a bad air part of town, all we could afford. And Murdoch picks me up and he, he looks terrible. And I mean, terrible. He was whiter than normal. And he's sitting there. He goes, you're driving, kid. And we're going up to like Ada, Oklahoma or Fort Seal or somewhere in Oklahoma. And I, I said, okay, well, I've never driven it this first time. So I'm driving. I look over at Dick. He's not saying a word. He's just sitting there. He just looks sick. He just, he's pale. I said, Dick, you need me to pull over? And he said, keep driving, kid. And I said, okay, okay. So I could drove a while longer. And I said, Dick, you, you need me to pull over? He looked horrible. And, and I he says, keep driving. So finally, we get up to like the Red River, you know, it separates uh, Texas and Oklahoma. And I said, Dick, you, you want me to, you need me to, are you sure you don't want me to pull over? And he goes, drive across the river, kid. So I drove across the river. As soon as we got across the Red River in Oklahoma, he says, pull over. I pulled over and he threw up and he got back in. He goes, don't ever throw up in Texas. <laughs> it was the greatest morning of my life. I'm sitting there thinking, Everything I've ever wanted you to be, you are right now. <laughs> Wait until we got to Oklahoma to throw up. <laughs> he used to pick me up when they would wrestle Lubbock and everything, and I was still playing ball. He'd pick me up at the dorm so I could ride with him. And one time, I'll tell you, we were in Happy, Texas. We're coming back from wrestling for Baby Doll's dad, Nick Roberts. He wrestled out there. Him and Mulligan had a great match. We're coming home, and he called those little stores, the handy pantries, fart and fetching. We got to start at the farm, stop at the fart and fetch and get some beer. So he says, you can pump up the gas. You put in the gas. So I was goofing around, and 
he paid for the pump and some guy came and grabbed the pump and started pumping gas. I said, dude, <laughs> uh, that's our pump. And he come out and he says, well, I got it now. And I said, well, okay. And old Murdoch comes us, what's the problem? I said, well, he decided to take the pump. And he said two words, they had two words for it. And all of a sudden, bip, and the guy was out like a light. And I go, damn, <laughs> that man hit like a buggy. He hit them buggy whip arms hit like a cannon. <laughs> damn, he, he had Murdoch a had that 330-pound frame behind him. The old man, he was a powerful guy. <laughs> yeah. He, he Murdoch used to say, you're going to have to tap that man. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. that's when he knew a fight was about to, somebody was about to go to sleep gonna have to tap yep. that man <laughs> yep yep he always did that to me too no he was great to drive around with he was fun drive with him oh i did the same mistake one time but i handed him beer close it was completely closed wasn't even open and he didn't throw it out the window he just flicked it back off my head it bounced it off my head <laughs> <laughs> You don't hand a damn gone beer that ain't open to the driver. I said, Well, hell, I didn't know. I don't wrestle and play football. That thing bounced right off my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been there with I've been there before. <laughs> he yeah, was, he was a great man. Yeah. yeah, he was a great man. I enjoyed my time with him, especially when I would do goofy things. And I used one time he come to watch us play. We were playing Tulsa, and that was a big rivalry, University of Tulsa in the West Texas. He was up in the bleachers. I guess he was drinking, and we were getting pushed around a little bit. And Murdoch, you can hear Murdoch cussing and yelling. You could hear him, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's getting pissed off. He was cussing and yelling, and we were making a small comeback, and he was cussing and yelling. And he was coming down the stairs, and he missed a step. He rolled all the way down almost to the football field. Boom, he hit that really. Got up and never sold it. He didn't sell a lick. <laughs> he started cussing me. You better get off your butt and start hitting somebody. <laughs> yeah, I had some great times with him, JBL. He was fun. He was so your fun. time in the Carolinas, back to the Carolinas, after you left uh, San Antonio, uh, how was that working there? That, what what years was that? That was the because they those that place was on fire at that time, right? Yeah, it was. I my last year there, I just kind of just got petered out with uh, all the situation of guys there, and uh, I just started getting burned out. You know, I told Dusty I just didn't want to do this no more there, but I started there in eighty and to ninety. But by then, I had signed a deal with Japan. I had a good deal with Japan. So I wasn't worried about that, but I just started getting, it just started getting on my nerves. And uh, I just wanted to get away from it. And I just, so I met a guy, I'm pretty sure you know the guy. I met a guy, Jerry knows him too, probably, Gary Albright. Yeah. yeah. Gary Albright was an All-American at the University of Nebraska. Right. One of the toughest suckers I've ever met. What a hell of a shooter. Not in your class, but he was a great shooter. Oh, he, he was all he was two time, two or three time All American in Nebraska. He was, yep. he was, he was. I just there. saw a video online of him doing suplexes, just one after another. Oh my god! Back, it is unbelievable the strength Gary had. Yeah, but you know those suplexes. He did that to me in Puerto Rico in the water. I made him stand in the <laughs> water. I said, "I bet you can't suplex me waist deep in the water, brother." I look like a flying fish. <laughs> but me and him got into that Fran Craze thing 
you know that before UFC there was fan craze, and and I just got to working out with Gary Albright, and he would teach me stuff. Of course, he was awesome, and uh, we decided to do that in Japan when it was hot in Japan. So I met Gary and I spent time with Gary. We had fun in Puerto Rico together, and of course, then I found out he passed away. That guy was shocking. That shocked the hell out of me because he was such a great guy. But he was he was a pretty tough guy. And I just stayed uh, in the Carolinas. I just got burned out. I just got burned out. You know, it was just, you know, thing one thing after another, and I just got burned out. I had fun with Rick Rude. Rick Rude and me were fun. Dusty put us together as an odd couple, thinking that, you know, we wouldn't mesh. And we ended up being pretty daggone good because Rick Rude, for whatever anybody wants to say, as I told him one time, look, if you listen to me, we'll be all right. And he listened. He listened to everything I told him when we were tagging. He followed instructions. That's why I respected him so much. You know, I, of course, I've been in the business longer than he had. He's just come in, it's still kind of green, but I enjoyed my time with him. And once he left and stuff was going bad, I just got burned out. And I said, I'm just staying in Japan, work with Gary Albright. And uh, pick on Big Van Vader. That was my big deal in Japan. I picked on Vader. So were you you in Japan with, uh, was it all Japan you were with, or are you with the Noki? With the Noki. With the Noki. Yeah, that's, right, that's, yeah. that's where Leon was with uh, Noki. Yeah. And then Murdoch got me with the Noki from the get-go, from the beginning in 1982. And I went to Japan with Murdoch many times. He would take me over, he took me under his wing and showed me everything. And tell you a funny story. I used to get Vader so pissed off. You'll like this, Jerry. I'd get him so pissed off because he was scared to death of Albright. And I would tease him about that, right? I would tease him. I'd say, well, Albright's a strict your ass. You think you're a big fan <laughs> just because you played football in Colorado with the, with the Rams or whoever. I played ball too. So I kept picking on, picking on, pissing him off, right? And he got so mad at me one time after the match because I said, dude, you suck. <laughs> he got mad because he asked me about his match. He goes, well, what'd you think? I said, you suck. That's <laughs> when he was first starting, right? He got so mad, he chased me on the bus and I was laughing at him. And he thought he was going to get back there. JBL, you know, came out of the seat and stood in front of him and said, where do you think you're going? <laughs> Stopped dead in his tracks, Dick Murdoch. He saw what he was doing. Dirt, Dick, Dick was sitting there drinking his Korean beer. He saw a Vader huffing and puffing. He got up and said, where do you think you're going? Vader turned around and sat down. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was Dickie's boy. <laughs> he wasn't gonna put him that. So I was sitting there teasing him, going like, putting my fist up, going, come on, come on. <laughs> I would always tease him. But I didn't like that guy very much. But I was there many tours with him in Japan. But I also had Dickie and Bob Orton Jr. and Dr. Death. Me and Dr. <laughs> Man, Manny, was, was you in Japan with Bob Orton Jr. when he got when he got uh, in trouble with the with the the nubby finger guys? Uh, he said something bad and he was barred from going yeah. out. Yeah, I was in the bar with him. He so said, what, tell, tell us that story. <laughs> He's sitting there, we're getting drunk. We have our sponsor, right? And the guy comes in <laughs> and he goes, Hot damn, you must have stuff. Look at all them fingers you're missing. <laughs> and that did not go over no. well. 
that did not go over well at all. <laughs> he was missing digits everywhere. Bob started laughing. He says, damn, you're an F-up. Look at all them fingers missing. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, oh, my God, you just didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, I was there. It was Dickie Murdoch and Bob Orton Jr. always knew I was ticklish. So every time we'd go to, to a restaurant in Tokyo or somewhere, it said, just like you and Jack would stand in the ring and be in the middle and slap me in the face, they'd get me in the middle so they could poke and make me laugh all night long. Made me pee my pants one time. <laughs> Those suckers. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of fun with that, but yeah, you know, I it just I got kind of burned out on wrestling because it was just changing. And I just stayed in Japan. Yeah, Bob Orton, my first tour over there, Manny, we left Bob Orton at some, uh, I can't remember where it was, may have been Nagoya, I can't remember, but because he was banned from an entire island. He had a mafia hit put on him. He he, he, had, he had slapped one of the mafia guys, under whatever, one of the guys, and he literally could not go to an entire island. He was banned from an entire Dang. island. Wow. He, when he left, he goes, Oh, kid, let me off here. I'll see you in a couple days. And I said, what do you mean see you in a couple days? He goes, can't go to that island. Had a little problem there a few years ago. <laughs> that's a big problem. So we let him Yeah, off. that's a big problem. We'd go across the bridge, yeah. wrestle over on the island, come back, pick Bob up, go somewhere else. Bob was willing to go, by the way. He he didn't care. They Somebody allegedly had a hit on him, but they were scared enough for him. They wouldn't let him go to that island. Yeah. The Japanese people wouldn't let you, the company wouldn't let you go with them. I got in, oh God, I got in trouble because, okay, Dr. Death, right? We're, we're there, Steve Williams, we're talking Texas, Oklahoma, and I'm giving a hard time, of course, you know. <laughs> and, of course. Yeah, when you played, when you played ball, Texas beat you anyway. No, they didn't, and we argued back and forth. Well, it was his birthday, and we went to one of those uh, fish houses or whatever they call them, Yachtori, but we saved the fish in a big bowl and it's raw. Because Steve wanted that. And I was getting him drunk on his birthday on sake. And I made the biggest mistake. I made him got so drunk he couldn't get up. So when they were trying to close the bar, the, the restaurant, I had to carry him. And he's heavy. Yeah, God, he's heavy as hell. So I'm trying to get him out to the cab, get him so we can get back to the hotel. I carry him out to the cab, put him in the cab, and he starts rocking the cab back and forth. What happened? He starts rocking the cab back and forth, and the, the Japanese cab driver's kind of freaking out. I said, oh, it's okay. Chatamate could decide. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, we're okay. We just get it to the hotel. Well, I got him to the hotel, and I was so worried about him. I got him upstairs to his bed. I was so worried because he was so drunk that he would lay down in the bed that he could throw up and choke on his puke. So I put pillows on the side of him so he couldn't roll over. So I packed a bunch of pillows. So he couldn't roll. So I didn't know that sometime during the night, he got up and tried to go downstairs for whatever reason. I don't know. But he passed out on the elevator and was sitting down. When the elevator opened the door, I guess he fell forward to the side of the elevator and didn't move. But the door kept closing on him and hit him in the, <laughs> in the, in the head. So they finally got it because the elevator, oh, I guess somebody got him. <laughs> the next morning, the next morning, we get on the Gaijin bus and he's so mad at me. I go, what the hell are you mad at me for? I know you beat me up. What? 
Yeah, I know you. Look at my head. And I said, you beat me up because I was drunk. I said, yeah, right, stupid. I wouldn't beat you up if you're drunk. What the hell did you do? And that's when the guys at the hotel were saying about, I said, you freaking idiot. You went downstairs and passed out in the elevator, and it was hitting you in the head. <laughs> <laughs> so he kept, he kept believing that I actually did that to him. So we went out one night, and he challenged Oklahoma, Texas. He says, let's get a three-point stance and see who can move this cab with the shoulder tackle. <laughs> I said, yeah, really? Really? So I said, okay, dude, let's go. And the poor cab was right there, little those little Nissan, Toyota, whatever they were. And that sucker got we got a three-point stance. He said, on two. That one, huh? Two. And I took off and I nailed that cab and I nailed the crap out of it and put it <laughs> in it. And he's standing there laughing at me. <laughs> he's laughing at me. And the cab company, the cab driver called the wrestling and the office. And I got in all kinds of trouble for that. I had to pay 20,000 yen. <laughs> I was so mad at him. I said, oh, dude, I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> That's the kind of rib we pulled on each other. But I love Steve Williams. He's a great, great guy. Him and great, He and Dr. Death were a great tag team. He, I'm sorry, Dr. Him and Gary Albright, Dr. Death and Gary Albright were a great tag oh, team. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was watching one day in Japan. Japan. I felt sorry. Especially Albright and his suplexes. They were awesome. I'm thank God that he suplexed me in the water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the beach. You know, at least I had a cushion. But, yeah, they were awesome. They were awesome. They had two guys around, too. I used to, when he had that surgery, had the hole in his uh, in his throat after that throat cancer. We were at a, what is it called, Cauliflower Alley one time in Vegas, and we were watching rest, some of these wrestling tryouts, and they were they wanted us to judge. I said, I don't want to judge nobody, man. And Steve goes, that's right, you're going to sit there, and you're going to help me judge. <laughs> and I go, no, Steve, we don't need to do that, man. Come on, let's go do something else. And so he convinced me to stay there, and they would constantly, these guys are just horrible, you put his finger there and he started yelling, get out of here. <laughs> so I would, I would make him mad when I would look at him. I put my, my finger on my throat and I'd look at him and go, oh, shut up and let's go. <laughs> I loved him. We had a great friendship, man. Kind of like me and you and Jerry. Jack, there, Mr. Jerry. What yeah. is it, 50 years we've known each other? Fifty years or more, man. Right? Unbelievable, Manny. After after all these years, one, I know you're out in Oklahoma. You're you're under veterans care out there. But what what what's been going on? Are you still doing any training camps or what? How's your involvement in business now? Are you involved at all? Uh, you know, I'm like you. I do these kinds. You know, I respect the business enough that I know I don't need to abuse the business to make a living. I'm making a living. I'm service connected. I'm combat service connected, so I get a government check every month. Good check. I'm 100% service connected from Vietnam, so I'm that. So I I had a school in Tyler, Texas, but the quality of people, I just show up. I can't do it. I just, the, what I went through when I started this business and the trainers like Murdoch and Funk and Mulligan and all them, even Dennis Stamp and Larry Lane, but, you know, these kids could not understand what it takes 
they want to get in the rain. Say, well, show me how to do this. I want to fly and I want to do this backflip and all that. I just gave it up. I just know that, you know, I've asked, I've had people ask me, well, you do a retirement match. I said, yeah, you pay me 20 grand like they did for clear. No, right. <laughs> no man, I love the business respect it too much, Jerry, to, to ever think that I'd go back and humiliate myself or, or disrespect the business that way. No. I, I know. It. I know you're doing a few card shows. I, I that's where I ran into you and and asked you to do our podcast here. So, if 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 guy if you're interested in doing podcast and having Manny Fernandez, how how do they get a hold of you? Oh, just you know, Facebook. You know, I, I I'm kind of a loner, Jerry. I'm kind of a loner, and that's why I sometimes when I see who's on before I accept a convention an invitation, I see who's on it. That's why I went to the one in New Jersey because I saw you were on it. Yeah, I that's really exactly the same thing. I always want to know who's there. John's the same way. We don't know who we're sitting yeah. with and, and who's there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because, you know, it's just like this is my, you know, I've been God, God bless me with an ability to heal quick. You know, like I said, I survived a stabbing and a shooting. And <laughs> I'm surprised I'm here today because of my stupidity. I was where, let's, let's go. Let's go. That stabbing. Where, where did you get stabbed, and, and when? When was that? In San Antonio. It was a, actually it was inside Denny's restaurant with a bunch of biker dudes in the San Antonio, and uh, Tully Blanchard was. We were at a strip bar, and the bikers were in there, and they were pissed because all the girls were paying attention to me and Tully because wrestlers, and the banditos were pretty upset about that. And, Followed us to Denny's restaurant. Went to go eat after the bar closed. They were talking crap, and I, was, you know, stupid me. Oh yeah, whatever. Start punching people out, and they had knives, and I had fists. <laughs> <laughs> and Tully just kind of left me there. I thought we taught you better than that, Manny. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I should have learned that lesson, but it was kind of late. But uh, it's especially just leaving Florida. But yeah. Yeah, Tully just kind of left me there, you know, and I was, I was very fortunate that uh, one of the uh, waitresses there uh, put a tourniquet on my arm where all the holes were and on my side. So I was very lucky. Yeah. And God wants to take you. He'll take you. We don't need you yet. Now, that, that's the stabbing. Like, if that wasn't bad enough, where did the shooting happen? <laughs> In Lexington, North Carolina. Well, you, you should know that town. I know, I know it very well. Yeah, that's the reason I brought it up there. There you go. Yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah. That was stupid and goofy. What, but, set, what yeah. set up the shooting there, Manny? Same thing. Same you know, thing. People, huh? talking, people talking crap, you know, that I've always taken that personal. Wrestling and all that, wrestling's fake. And when you knock the prince out of them, all of a sudden it's real, you know. <laughs> all of a sudden it's real, and they're gonna get you, you know. I did that to some some guy. You you remember that Plum Crazies in Charlotte? That yeah. Bar Plum Crazies. I was in there one night, and Doug Dillinger. I met Doug Dillinger. He did security for the Crockett's. You know that, right? And we went to Plum Crazies after we wrestled at Independence Coliseum. Went in there to hang out and have a few beers because I knew the bartender. And same old crap. Some people come up and run in their mouth about wrestling and 
how fake it is. You guys use ketchup and all that. And that just ate me up. And bing, 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 down he goes. Pretty soon the cops are up there. Guy calls the cops and the cop asked me what happened. My side of the story. And I said, well, this gentleman right here said wrestling was fake. So I hit him with a fake punch and he took a fake bump. <laughs> and that's where he ended up. <laughs> and the cops started laughing so hard. <laughs> he started laughing. He goes, you must be one of Doug Dillinger's boys. I said, well, actually, I'm Jim Crockett's. <laughs> so they just laughed and left. It just left me alone. <laughs> I, he liked the part where I said I hit him with a fake punch. He took a fake punch. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what I <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was unfortunate. I thank God for that. <laughs> I'm still here. Still here. So, so speaking of still here, where, 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 where you have doing these autograph shows? If they want to touch you, just your website or anything like that, man. Yeah, MF Raging Bull Yahoo dot com. MF Raging Bull Yahoo dot com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get to see you what next month in Charlotte. In Charlotte, yeah. In August, yeah. Yeah. Is JBL, JBL, you in Charlotte? No, I don't think so. Uh, no? No, no. I, I still, I'm the same way. I, I uh, they, they, they call me. There's two things that get me to come to a show. They'll say, Jerry's okay. there or Ron Simmons is there. That's the, that's the first thing they'll tell me. Hey, we've got Jerry Briscoe here. Um, I got a, a parents coming up in a couple of weeks and they go, Gerald Briscoe's here. Uh, would you mind? That's the first thing to start with. They'll say, you know, Ron Simmons, where he's going to be here because they know I'm just going to say no. If they, if it's something else, yeah. I don't want to get on oh, the yeah, airplane. You know, I don't want to travel. I, I, yeah. yeah, and I like we're, real we're, we're real particular when, when the end of August comes by, I know uh, college Saturday football games start coming on and they call, you know, it's, it's yeah. even harder to get it. We get one yeah. of us to you better not have yeah. any big games on Saturday <laughs> if you want me or Jerry to show up to an autograph session. <laughs> no, we we are If there's college football, no, I don't go during football. <laughs> and I will go with Ron Simmons. Ron Simmons, I had his first match in Bayfront Center. Ron Simmons. Really? Just got out of, yeah, it's in the magazine. I still got the magazine, but I love him to death. And he'd come up on me, him and Butch Reed one time. We were in New Jersey. Some wrestle con convention. And then him and Butch Reed and Ron Simmons, you know how strong he is. He oh, snatched yeah. me from behind and lifted me off the ground. I said, what the hell? He says, what, you don't know me no more? You don't come? I said, damn, dude. I didn't see you come up on me like that. Uh -huh. <laughs> he is strong. Him and Butch are pretty had fun together. I love both of them. Ron Simmons is fun. He is fun. He's yeah, always, Ron set the he's NFL. Respected. Ron set the NFL rookie record for bench press. He did 225 yeah. 48 times at Cleveland. Wow. He broke wow. Lyle yep. Alzado's record. I mean, Ron was probably yep. maybe a 600-pound bencher. I don't think he ever benched, you know, for a max, but he was – he did 500 regularly in workout. I mean, he was he was world-class. Oh, yeah. yeah, Ron was – and he's a great guy. He never forgot that. He was the first match ever. And I oh, was, Ron, was, was Ron a little stiff then, Manny? Yeah, yeah, yeah so without without hesitation. I yeah, <laughs> without hesitation. No, I love that, and I loved how strong it was. Just pick me up and throw me around like a rag doll. Uh -huh. I enjoyed the heck out of that. <laughs> uh -huh. 
You know, yeah, I tagged, one, I tagged, one of the greatest well, times, JBL, JBL tells this story great. Uh, they were in, in Tallahassee, and Ron, Ron, Ron first appeared, I think, with WWE in Tallahassee. And they go out, and John finished the story there where they introduced in the roar of the crowd. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, Ron comes out, and I've seen, you know, Hogan Pop, Stone Cold, The Rock, you know, all these guys. Kerry <laughs> Von Eric. I've never seen an ovation like that when Ron came out. Ron came out and that oh, yeah. place went ballistic. They're all doing, they're all doing the chop and they're all the doing chop. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And at one point I realized no one in this arena knows I'm here. So I just, <laughs> I just walked to the ring, got myself and hope and nobody noticed. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> he yeah, is he a played God. In State. He's, he was he's a God, a God in, in State, Tallahassee. Yep. Yeah, sure is. He's a great guy though. Yeah. You know, you know, I yeah. tagged with him for years, uh, but I also wrestled yes. against him, you know, quite a bit when we first started. You know, that's how Ron and I became friends. I, I guess that's was. I don't know. We were friends long before we were tag team partners. And one time we were uh, in a match, and I said, duck the clothesline, hit me with a football tackle. And he hit me with a football tackle. I think that was from Florida State. <laughs> I thought he's broken yeah. something on me. I don't know how much. <laughs> But he's broken something, maybe a lot of things. So I told oh, yeah. him later, I said, if I ever call a football tackle again, I want you to know, I mean like the working version, not the one where you're tackling Herschel Walker. Or the, the working version. Yeah, I did that when he first had his match. Me and him with the baby, like to grab a headlock kid. One tackle, chop down, I'm going to chop down. You get it again. He hit me with the first tackle off the ropes. I never got it. <laughs> he could hit you that tackle was a tackle there was no there were no pulling that tackle after, hey after the match in tallahassee it was great because ken shamrock was on the other side and, and i was his tag team partner and i told ken during the match i said hey afterwards we're gonna have ron's gonna tomahawk chop us all and we're all gonna be laying dead at the end and sure enough ken shamrock who won the ufc when there was no rules takes the tomahawk chop and he's out for three minutes. He, I, then he chop, chops me and you know, I'm his own partner. Place goes crazy and the place just sat there and goes, oh, 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 oh for yeah. minutes. It just, it was unbelievable. Yep. You can't white men can't do that chant at all, by the way. <laughs> That's, no, we can't. We're not going to even try. But me and Ken are just laying in, in, the, in the ring selling and Ken goes, this is awesome, isn't it? I go, this is incredible. <laughs> There, there are nights like that in all of our career where you just want to sit there and just take it in so long, you know, you know it goes on forever, it seems like, but it quits too yeah. soon. Yeah, yeah and you remember true. it. You know, you but, remember you remember yeah. all of those nights. You don't, you know, you don't always remember, yeah. you know, wins. And nobody remembers wins and losses, I don't think. None of us do. But well, you remember those I, nights where <laughs> the crowd was there, you know, and it just Yeah, I remember that. The first night I wrestled Harley for an hour Broadway. And uh, God, at the end, you know, it looked like I had him. One, two, and the bell rings, three. And the crowd went nuts. I mean, I'll never forget that. The crowd went completely nuts. It's like death to me. I'll never forget that Harley was so good. Then, of course, I'll never forget the night with Harley when he asked me to hit him with a flying burrito. And I got so high, it cleared the whole ring and landed head first. Remember that, Jerry? Head first yeah. in the Bayfront Center cement. Yeah. I hit the cement head first. Boom, and knocked myself out. 
And you really? cracked a, you cracked a, a foundation of the Bayfront Center. Your head was so damn hard. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember Jack coming out to make the save, but I I was toast. Man, did that hurt. <laughs> I had some fun times. Yeah. I loved the business. You know, I had I had brought um, when JBL first started, uh, Justin Bradshaw. Uh, I think he was with um, Brad Rangins. Were you with Brad? Sure was, was yeah. There with... Yeah. So Brad Rangins gives me a call when I'm booking the Global Wrestling Federation. And he says, I'm sending this kid down to you, and he's stiffer than you. He's <laughs> <laughs> stiffer. Wow. What do you mean? <laughs> That's a, that's a compliment coming from Brad, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He goes, and, and this kid's stiffer than you. So we had a couple workout sessions, and <laughs> I told him, hit me with your clothesline. Brother, he hit me so hard with that clothesline, Jerry. I get up and said, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> I have about as good a record against uh, Mr. Briscoe as I have against Brad Rangans. <laughs> Brad, we used to have to do conditioning after, after practice. And I just got out of pro football, this young kid. So I'm ripe for Brad, just chomping at the bit. He goes, conditioning. We had to shoot for conditioning. So Brad goes, I'll go with John. <laughs> of course you will. <laughs> yeah. Don't feel, don't feel like the long ranger there, JBL. Oh, he couldn't do anything with him. I tried for months. And I tried. I mean, it wasn't like I gave up. I never gave up. I tried. I never could turn him. I never could do anything. You and me both, they get in that four-point stance. You couldn't even break them. You couldn't break that sucker. <laughs> but, hey, I had the same education with Jack and Jerry. <laughs> As Brad Rangins. Brad Rangins was a monster. Yeah. He was a monster, you know. And you, he was awesome. It's just sad that he didn't get to compete for that gold medal because he would have yeah. won it. Yeah, he would have yeah, won, won it. That. Right. Yeah, that was yeah. such. You're right. That was a that was a crime against all those athletes. That, that did nothing yeah. to the Russian Federation. Nothing. It just all you did was yeah. rob a bunch of young American athletes of of a dream coming true. That's all you did. That exactly, exactly. And we would have had a world champion in Brad Rangins. You know, That's right. You Brad robbed Rangers. robbed Brad yeah. of a world championship because he would have won it. Yep. yep. Yeah. The team. The team was a stack that time, and I think at that. Part of the Russian pullout too, because they they knew how loaded the, the USA wrestling team was that year. Yeah, yeah they were stacked. They were stacked. They were stacked this year, this past Olympics. I mean, but. We, we got a hell of a team coming up too, man. But Manny, man, it was great having you on, man. I I, I hope to run into you again real soon. I'm sure you're enjoying life in Oklahoma. Who wouldn't, you know? But. <laughs> Hey, Manny, I, I want to tell you, I want to tell you before you go, I, I've been looking forward to this for so long. When, when I started in Texas and you were there in the office and, and I got to watch you work, I just remember thinking, I can't do that. I remember that you were, it was unbelievable to watch you work. It, you were so smooth, yeah. so good. And I remember I, that flying burrito, I look at it and go, he's killing people. He's killing people. And I got hit with it one night and I thought that didn't hurt at all. That guy could work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, JBL, before you go, I still remember that story. You and Ron Simmons at sitting at Hooters were sitting. I still get somebody sent me that video when you talk about when we were at Hooters and I threw all the beer out the window of the bouncer. <laughs> That's right. You threw a bouncer laughing. through a window and threw the beer over <laughs> yeah. your head. Yeah. What, what does that tell that story, JBL? 
first night mm -hmm. I'm uh, in wrestling. First night, yeah. first night I'm in wrestling. I go out with Manny Fernandez and Butch Reed till like four in the morning. The bar closed at like midnight or one, and they're scared of Manny and Butch and keep the bar open. And then at the end, they just man, they won't finally just you know it, the sun's about to come up, and finally they tell Manny you can't have any more beer, and he threw the entire pitcher of beer at the bartender, the waiter over his head something. I'm like. Oh my God, this is the business I've just gotten into. Later, Manny threw a guy through a window there. Yeah, through a window. What an education. Yeah, what an yeah, education that's, that's, for a rookie. Yeah. Finally, they told us, well, guys, you just you can't come to the bar anymore. Then they realized they weren't having to have any business. So they said, you got to come I've back. heard that before. You can't come to the bar anymore. Yeah. Yeah, we've heard that a lot of times. Oh, yeah. when, we were, when we were in college and we used to go into a bar, the bartender would reach out, grab a case of beer, set it on the counter, say, guys, you can have the case of beer. You just can't drink it here. Go someplace else. <laughs> guys, it was an honor. And I can't wait to see you again in August. JBL, hopefully we get to see each other again some sometime here in the near future, but not during football season. Not during football no. season. Uh, no, no, sir. We got to kick. We got to spank Oklahoma again. Don't forget. You dang right, we do. We got to whoop them Okies. Well, when you move over that <laughs> SEC conference, that might be the only team you could beat. That, that's true. That's that's actually <laughs> very true. Yeah. We're going. We're going to beat Alabama. <laughs> yeah. In our dreams. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh.